Welcome back to part two of the WinFL show with uh, me, Ian McKinnon. We've got Jake McGee. We've got Dave Somerville. And uh, just before we go on to our brand new segment, a couple of things that need to mention. I for- totally forgot to mention earlier on about the-, the Los Angeles Chargers had signed cornerback Bryce Callahan from the Denver Broncos. Uh, Callahan is one of the best slot cornerbacks in the league. This hurts the Broncos, in my opinion, and really helps that Chargers defense that we were already talking about. Uh, Jake, what do, you- what do you think of that? They're doing everything they can to just beef up the defense. I mean, that you know, if you think the the front seven is scary, then look at the the secondary. You got Doe and James, <laughs> J.C. Jackson, now uh, Bryce Carr. I mean, they are, like you say, they're pulling out all the stops and uh, w- w- trying to find a weakness at this point. Really, <laughs> Dave, do you uh, you have any opinion on the Bryce Callahan signing? I think if you have a very pass-orientated uh, offense in your team and you have the charges this year, you're going to have to think again because that you've got apart apart from obviously the pass rushers up front, that backfield is very very scary, and I would not be happy facing the charges at all. So good luck to the Broncos with seeing them twice a year. Yay! Um, well, we yeah, did we did re-sign Melvin Gordon a couple of weeks ago, so maybe we'll just try and run the ball. Because well, you know how easy that is against Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely, yeah. But, I, you know, I I also think, though, that uh, I'm quite curious as to why he signed for a divisional rival as well. You know, uh, uh, I know, that, that's, a, that's a sore one. Yeah, I, I, can't, I, I feel for you there. I think the only thing I can really relate it to would be Gerald Everett going to the Seahawks uh, after leaving uh, the Rams. That That was a bit of a sore one as well, but... You know, it's it happens. You move on. Um, good luck to. I was going to say to the Broncos. That's probably we're supposed to say good well, luck. To do the need it. No. <laughs> we're going. Yeah, we're going to need yeah. all the luck we can get. Um, this, this might be the. This is the best Broncos team that we've had since. Uh, well, since twenty fifteen. I mean, that's that's our kid ourselves on here. And yet, um, there's every possibility we'll finish last in the division. <laughs> from from. Uh, 2015, we had a Super Bowl winning team, and this team might finish second, uh, fourth in the division. Just unreal. Also, I believe the schedule announcement, Jake, remind me, when are they announcing the schedule? So that is on Thursday, and of course, the NFL being the NFL is going to make it a, a whole day thing. Um, <laughs> we already know everyone's opponents, we just don't know when they're playing. I mean, last couple of days that we've already mentioned, the um, Broncos and the Rams playing on Christmas, they're mm-hmm. leaking a few of the, the primetime games as we go. Um, but we will know exactly where everyone plays on Thursday. So next week's podcast, we'll be able to maybe point out some of the some of the big games, some of the primetime games. Which te- you know, which team has the most primetime games? I'm sure the Bengals probably had none, maybe one last year. Uh, I bet they'll have a whole host more this year. And there's a there's some double week two Monday night football double header. We've got Tennessee uh, and Buffalo, and the Vikings and Eagles. For week two, so that should be uh, that should be good to be double header on Monday night. Not sure I'm going to be able to stay up for that, but you know, we'll see what we can do. We do have a new segment, Jake, and I think it's it's about time that we, you and I, stop talking and give the man his place. It's time for Dave's close shaves. Take it away, Mister Somerville. I always love to bring. The substance to an already fantastic podcast, but just to make it even better, we've now got Dave's close shaves. So, what I want to do on this segment, what I, what I think is, you know, I want to focus on each individual team and close shaves that could either have gone a lot better or could have gone a lot worse. So, 
Uh, today, I want to focus on the Lions. Now, I already, already promised our resident draft expert, Ewan McPhail, that I would talk about his Lions. I didn't quite specify which side of the coin I'd be talking about the Lions, though. So, I want to take you back just to last year. Now, the Lions did not have a good, good year, hence why they were picking second in the draft. However, I think that their bad year last year was a close save because now they could kick on this year. I uh, So I'm going to take you back to two specific games that could have changed their entire season and could have changed their entire draft. So the two games are week two. What we were talking about earlier in part one, Justin Tucker's record 66-yard field goal mm. to beat the, to beat the Lions 19 points to 17. Now, you may not remember, but... Two weeks later, the Lions then lost 21-19 to a Greg Joseph 54-yard field goal against the Vikings to lose 21-19 again with the last play of the game. Now, we talk about momentum a lot of the time, especially in this sport. Momentum is a massive thing, and it's like you hear expressions about the 12th man uh, in stadiums, the fans being the 12th man. Motivation uh, and momentum, especially, can be that. Now, at one stat, I've got, I'll bring you a little uh, sneaky random stat at the same time. Oh, doubling line, down. The, I like it. Uh, doubling <laughs> down because that is what you do when everyone wants to have everyone's favorite segment. So you give the fans and the people what they want. He's really rubbing so, this one in, Jake, isn't he? I know we said we weren't going to talk, but he's, he's really just, just uh, grinding away at this one. Absolute. Just, uh, I mean, look, you guys have your little things out of the spotlight. I will boot you to the side right now. So, the Lions are the first team in NFL history to lose two games in the same season to game-winning field goals of at least 50 yards with no time on the clock. Now, if that does not sum up the Lions... In just one one long sentence, I don't know what else does, but my close shave is that if they didn't lose those games, they could have built momentum for their season. They could have built uh, momentum and then gone on and beaten other teams around that time. I mean, they lost uh, to the Bears 2014, uh, a winnable game against a poor Bears. Um, they were so close to beating the Rams as well at SoFi Stadium, if I remember rightly, in Week 7. Uh, they drew with Pittsburgh. They'd lost by a field goal to the Browns. They lost by two points to the Bears again at Ford Field. Uh, you know, these games, they were winnable games, but they had no momentum. They we had the most depressed fan base in the entire league by that point, and they had Jared Goff running back just to rub it in. If you want to talk about sort of running, rubbing salt in the wounds, and then I think having Jared Goff as your quarterback in that situation is just like uh, you, you're, you're trying to stop yourself hitting your head off the wall, but then the wall there's another wall behind your head just when you're backing up. So, yeah, I, I think instead of three and thir- three thirteen and one, which is what they finished, if they had built some momentum from those two games and won those two games, right? immediately you think, okay, they could have been 5-11-1. I would make the argument that they could have gone 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one and could have been in contention for the Super Bowl. Uh, for the Super Bowl? For the, for the playoffs. Wow, I was going to say, good lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, they could have been in contention for the playoffs in the run-up. If, and, you know, they, they lost 20 points to 16 against the Falcons as well. Now, 
those games they they you know they did well. That that's the three games they could have won. Uh, there's a couple other games that were really really close as well early early on. They could have won those games, but the positive and the close shave is that they would not have got Aiden Hutchinson, which I think is the best pick in the draft this year. I think he is the be- I think he's better than Trayvon Walker. I've been looking into both of them more uh, since the draft has happened. Aiden Hutchinson is just different. On I know at the combine, Trayvon Walker tore up. He was impressing everybody, but on the field, he wasn't as impressive as Aiden Hutchinson was. And if just say for example that the Lions were able were they, they finished maybe twelfth twelfth uh, worst in the league last year, and they had picked up they got the twelfth pick. Now they picked Jameson Williams. They traded up to get Jameson Williams with that twelfth pick. They wouldn't have got both of these guys, two of the hottest prospects coming out of college. A guy that has been touted as having the skill set of Megatron, maybe not the height, but the skill set, the positional awareness, and intelligence of Megatron. And the Lions need that. The Lions need a superstar. If it's not going to be Aiden Hutchinson, I think it could be Jameson Williams. So they're clo- even though they're all those close shaves that they had last year, how close they were to winning. I mean, they lost was it uh, five games by four points or less last season. Oh, uh, and they finished three thirteen and one, and yet they they are, I'd say, profiting now from their poor season. I know that's the point of the draft, but they then traded back in to get Jameson Williams, and. They, I, I think they did not give away a 2023 first rounder to get Maswell. So I think what they've done, even though they didn't have a great year last year, they have everything in place now to have a good run. And Aiden Hutchinson and James Williams would not be a lion without these close losses. Plus, the fans also won getting to see Justin Tucker kick that 66-yarder in epic fashion. So... Make of that what you will, but I think that even though all those close shaves just seemed so depressing, so bad for the Lions at the time, we can now see in hindsight that these guys are epic players coming out of college, and I think they, they managed to get the highest rated player in the 2022 draft. Do you guys agree? Well, I, I was speaking to you and as the season was going on, and we were both of the, the same mind that... This is one of the best three-win teams, you know, in recent history. I mean, like you say, with all these close shaves and under new management, I, I think they are definitely one of those teams that, um, will, you know, has the best chance of kind of flipping the the script in terms of the, where they are. Um, and like you mentioned with the the William, uh, Williams trade, they got ridiculous value. Uh, that was what I mentioned with uh, Minnesota being my losers because the, the Lions straight up ripped them off. Um, to get a player like that for the, for the price they paid for him was was tremendous, uh, and like you say, these these things you know last season not another enjoyable season for the Lions, but they have their ways of kind of working themselves out and to get the the local boy and you know on paper the best wide receiver in the draft. The only reason he didn't go first was because of his injuries. You know, it's all kind of panned out. It makes it a lot easier to you know an easier pill to swallow for the Lions. Also, I think you can say that you've got five five games that they lost by four points or less, and they also remember they also tied with the Steelers sixteen all, and I think it was their it would be their ninth game. I think they got the bye in week nine, so it'll be their essentially their week nine. But you turn all those into wins, you've got a nine and eight team. 
and then you're not getting players like Aiden Hutchinson. You're not getting players like Jameson Williams that are going to be there for minimum the next three, four years. They've already signed their fully guaranteed contracts. So, you know, I, I think with hindsight, these close saves are amazing. Sometimes, you know, our team that that does badly one year through, I don't want to say no fault of their own, because clearly, you know, if you're in the position to lose the game, then it's it's kind of your fault. But, I mean, that Justin Tucker kick that we spoke of, that was a miracle. A 66-yard yeah. field goal indoors in Detroit. Un- That's, unheard of. It's, it's utterly unheard of. They've, they've deserved, I, I can't say they deserved to, like, win the game uh, because, you know, as we say, it should never have got to that position anyway, but so close. And it, I, I know how heartbreaking that can be for a team because you, you see it time and time again where a team like just loses, be it on a last second field goal or, a, you know, a, a, the other team scores a defensive touchdown in the last drive or something like that. The other team manages to cut, claw back and force overtime and beat you in overtime. It's absolutely soul-destroying. And sometimes you see it in the, the win-loss column. And you'll see a team that might lose a game like that and it just knocks the wind right out of them and then they go on a three or four game skid. And the next time they're up against the team, winning by a point with three minutes to go, they think they're going to lose. It gets into your mind. And it's, it's that's got to be tough. That's got to be tough for them. So I hope you're right. I think the Lions have a ton of talent. An absolute ton of talent. And, and uh, as you said, Jake, last year, one of the best three-win teams in an awful long time. The, the other wide receiver, Amon Rasim Brown, he was, he, he was a rookie last year, wasn't he? I believe so. Yeah, he, fantastic player. Electric. So having Williamson join him on the field, it's going to be great. And, and they, they still have, oh, the, the big tight end. Is it TJ Hawkinson? Yes, TJ Hawkinson, yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's got a, ton of ability his ceiling is unbelievably high they just need a couple of things to go their way and they could be a really good team yeah i'm with you 100 percent on that dave 100 percent. i don't see any reason why they can't be fighting for a playoff you know a wild card mm-hmm. you know fighting for second place in, in the nfc north i mean vikings and the bears are there to be taken obviously the Got to say the Packers are kind of out of reach as it stands. Although, who, who's he throwing to? Um, but there's no, you know, there's no saying that the, the Lions can't be in contention coming into the season. Um, so that was Dave's close shaves. Thank you very much, Dave. First, uh, first of many, I hope, and uh, we look forward to certainly having your same segment again next week. Now we do have to move on, and we're going to be moving on to our final segment, which is, of course. Random stats. Why don't I start us off this week? Um, I have, Sounds good. I have a, a, actually a doubleheader random stat. This concerns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, were an expansion team in 1976. And um, it, their opening season didn't go great for them. They finished 0-14. There was only 14 games uh, in the season at the time. And they had, to this day, the worst points differential in the history of the NFL. Now, they only played 14 games. And they had a points differential of minus 287 points. 
which is pretty bad. Um, over 14 games, 20, essentially 20 and a half points per game they lost every game by. Now, they were an expansion team, so you've got to give them, you know, give them a little something for that. It was their first first year, and they were going up against teams who'd been around for years and years and years who just absolutely annihilated them. So the second year, 1977, you'd think it, it can't get any worse. I mean, it just can't get any worse. And technically, it didn't because they went 2-12. and 12. Now, the reason they went 2-12 and 12 was because of a massive improvement by the defence. The defence, instead of allowing 412 points the year before in 14 games, they allowed 223, nearly half the points allowed. However, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of 1997, uh, 1977, I beg your pardon, hold their own record in that they have the lowest points per game in the history of the NFL, as since the merger, and actually since 1944, the 1977 Tampa Bay Buccaneers scored 7.4 points per game. Over a 14-game season, they finished with 103 points. That is the lowest points scored in the history of the NFL. Now, and again, you could say it's, well, it's only 14 games. True, but it's the lowest points per game in the history of the NFL. And to double down on that, that's just, you know, to go from the worst points differential to then simply having the worst scoring offense ever, it's just, um, it's it's a poor show. It's a poor show. And that was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I believe there was a famous quote by the um, by their, their coach, uh, Mr. McVeigh. Uh, I'm uh, McKay, I beg your pardon. I think they pronounce it McKay. We would say Mackay, uh, John McKay. And I believe he was asked uh, what he thought about the execution of his offense. And he said, I'm in favor of it. <laughs> so, uh, yes, the, the new expansion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers of 1976 and 1977. That is my random stat. That's pretty good. I like that. I, I, I love the, the ending there of just... Yeah, I'm in favor of it. Yeah, that that's pretty much sums up anything. I don't think any reporter should have asked any other questions <laughs> after that. Just leave it like that. <laughs> yep, we're done. Cool. Bye. Yes. Because he had, he had some he had some great great quotes. He was like, and he goes one of the ones this NFL films catches him on the sidelines, and he says, uh, "Well, we can't run, we can't pass, we can't tackle, we can't block. Other than that, we're in great shape." <laughs> He had some wonderful quotes. John McVeigh. John McKay. I keep saying McVeigh. Good grief. Behave yourself. Just, yeah, yeah. Calm down. There's only one McVeigh. My, my random stat is mainly for me and Neil, sir, because it's special teams related. Oh, I love special um, teams. We, we do love our special teams. So it's about a former Heisman winner and a player that was drafted number four overall in the 1992 draft to Washington. Uh, but my stat is not to do with Washington. It is to do with the Super Bowl Thirty One. Um, it's a very interesting Super Bowl, as it was the last of a th- of a thirteen straight NFC team um, run. Something that you probably won't see too often these days, especially with how stacked the AFC is. Ah, yes. Uh, but in that Super Bowl, the Packers beat the Patriots thirty-five to twenty-one. Uh, but the most special, no pun intended, 
uh, part of this game is that Desmond Howard, who is the, the aforementioned player, was and remains the only special teams player to be named MVP of a Super Bowl. Now, he gained 154 yards on kickoffs, and that includes a then-Super Bowl record 99-yard kickoff return touchdown. Uh, and he also set a then-Super Bowl record 90 punt return yards, thus uh, tying the then-Super Bowl record of total return and combined net yards gained at 244 yards. Um, so there's many reasons why he was the MVP. Um, you know, for all those stats, um, but it was mentioned even by the Patriots coach that the Patriots were actually on a bit of a comeback up until um, his return touchdown, which kind of just killed their entire momentum uh, and basically just ended the game there and then. And, and the Packers obviously went out to, to see the game um, quite comfortably. Um, but, you know, we love special teams. So big shout out to Desmond Howard. Uh, and even though he's drafted number four overall, mainly known for his special teams more than anything. I remember that Super Bowl vaguely. What I remember about it, it was that I think that was the year, it might have been the year before, but I think it was the year when the Packers had signed uh, Reggie White, rest in peace, Reggie White, uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles. And I remember Reggie White just terrorizing the Patriots offensive line in that game. Reggie White was unstoppable, absolutely unstoppable. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd completely forgotten Desmond Howard won MVP in that game. If yeah, you'd you also if, had your favourite uh, commentators as well. Ah, oh, Madden and Summerall. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I one when, as soon as you said, you know, the the the, the Packers, uh, the 1997. I was like, oh, that was Packers, and the, the first thing I thought was Reggie White in that game, and I was like, oh, did he win MVP? And I was actually thinking, did he win MVP in that game? But no, you're right, Desmond Howard. My goodness. That's a great stat. Love yeah. it. I do, I do love my special teams players. They don't get enough love. They don't. Returners. Kick returners. They don't get enough love and they really should. Um, I think on this show they do. Oh, they do. <laughs> this, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This yeah. show. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Dave, what is your random stat? Okay, so full disclosure, where, while I was researching for Dave's Close Shapes, I came across my random stats. Now, I did sort of share a little kind of a small stats when I was doing uh, our brand new favorite segment. But um, yeah, so I want to go back to week five of last season. Now, something very peculiar happened that had not happened since 1987 in that week. Now, um, in that week, what happened was that there was 27 combined missed kicks in the league that week. Now, that had not happened since 1987. So that is, uh, what, 25 years that that had not happened? Oh, wait, uh, quick bats. Yeah, 20, uh, 35 years. Am I right? 30 years. 35 years. We'll go with 35 years because I can't count right now. But <laughs> the point, my point is, though, that there was one particular game that emphasized just how badly this happened. And this was the Green Bay Packers against the, the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, we both know that the Bengals got to the Super Bowl, lost to the Rams, and the Packers also had a very successful season. But between them, in that game, Mason Crosby of the Green Bay Packers, he missed an extra point early on, and then for field goals, 
in three straight possessions, missed three field goals. Now, that doesn't happen very often. It probably makes it a bit weirder that in overtime, he scored a 49-yard field goal to win it, despite <laughs> missing three field goals in three straight possessions and an extra point in that game. Now, we've also got, on the other side of the coin, Evan McPherson. So, uh, you know, he's been known as kind of like a, a stone-cold kicker. Uh, you know, he, he's ice cold and everything, ice in his veins. McPherson also missed one in the final minutes of regulation that would have uh, probably been a game-winning field goal. Now, the six games missed were the most in a game since, back to him again, Mason Crosby missed five, which was four field goal attempts and an extra point in a 31-23 victory over Detroit. So, hang, hang on uh, a second. I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry to interrupt you. Did you say he missed four field goals and an extra point in a win? In a win. And the the score margin was 31-23. So he still won. That was October 7th, 2018. And also Matt Prater also missed a field goal in that match as well. So uh, there's a, a little shout out for the Broncos there. But it was a victory <laughs> over Detroit. But Mason Crosby, and he's still the Green Bay Packers kicker despite these things happening. But in between those two games, when Crosby combined for seven missed field goals, he missed just four in 51 games, including the playoffs since then. So make of that what you will. Uh, but the tw- uh, yeah, my point, my stat was that it, the 27 combined missed kicks in the league that week were the most in a week since week 12 in 1987, when kickers missed 26 field goals and one extra point. And the last time before that, you have to go back to 1981, when there were nine missed extra points and 20 missed field goals. But Mason Crosby, what a guy, missing them, getting highly paid for it, and the Packers still winning. And you wonder why Aaron Rodgers has issues with the draft picks <laughs> when the AEs. He threw for, what, four, five touchdowns in that game? Mason Crosby just kicking him wherever he fancied. Roll a dice, yep, go kick it uh, into the pool um, or wherever he wants to. But, yeah, very interesting stat. He won it. He won that game, though, in Week 5 uh, against the Bengals with a 49-yard field goal in overtime, which in itself, 49-yard field goal is obviously very good. Uh, one of the longest of his, of his season. But... He, he missed three field goals and an extra point in the game. They went on to win it. And the last time that happened, he missed four field goals and an extra point, And the Packers still went on to win it. But Omen, but I remember that um, watching Red Zone because Scott Hansen was just losing his mind because it's like, <laughs> kickers, yes. you got one job, kick the ball. <laughs> but that, that Packers uh, and the Bengals game was just a case of nobody wanted to win it. It was just, you know, oh, they've got a chance to kick it to win. Nope. Okay, well, the Bengals have got a chance to kick it to win. Nope. And so it got to yeah. overtime with Crosby lining up. Everyone's like, well, Bengals are going to get the ball back. That's crazy. It's it's one of the most mind blowing random stats I could find, but I'm so glad I came across it. But yeah, it's Mason Crosby. What a guy! And he's just he's still there. He's still still pro, you know prevalent in the league. Um, and yeah, big shout out Mason Crosby. Nice one, <laughs> nice one. I I I, I love. Um, see if I'm a neutral fan, 
I love when teams miss field goals. I don't know what it is. It, I know, it, it, it sounds hot. It's just because making field goals is so boring. If you're a neutral fan, right, and you're just watching a game, or you're just on red zone or whatever, like maybe your team, like, obviously because, uh, uh, Dave, um, Dave, you'll know this, because the, the Rams are a West Coast team, right? Mm-hmm. All those six o'clock games, your team's not playing, so you're just watching red zone. You know, I mean, yes. obviously they do sometimes if they're playing away, but you know, you're just watching red zone and that. And it's great when a, another team misses a field goal. And it's even better if they miss two in a, a game. That's, I love that. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's great. It's great when the away team miss a field goal, or uh, especially on red zone, because then you've got the excitement of the fans. And then that key word that I was saying earlier, momentum then shifts right to the home team. The home fans get it, and then you're watching it, and you can feel like, oh, it's a bit, the game's a lot more exciting now. You know, the home team, are, the home fans are all pumped up. Home team with the ball back in an amazing uh, position as well on the field. So you're getting the ball back on sort of 40, 40, 45 yard line, um, you know, ready to go for a, a, a positive drive downfield. Yeah, absolutely. Pumped up. Yeah, let's go. It's great. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I can vouch completely. It's not It's not so good when your team misses field goals. That hurts. I, I remember... Oh, no, right. We all, we all remember the double doink, don't we? Mm-hmm. And we all remember... Uh, was it Matt Nagy's face on the sidelines? Yes. After it happened. And it's just that look of utter disbelief. But he's just, he, there's no emotion. You know, there's nothing. He's just like staring into space as if to say, to thinking to himself, this isn't happening. It's like, it, it, this didn't happen. We haven't just ended the season on a double doink. <laughs> like, oh mm-hmm. my goodness. That, that's going to be an in for me. But I remember, and I, I keep doing this, guys. I do apologize. I keep throwing this back to back in the day. But I remember the... The 1991 AFC Championship game between my Denver Broncos and the Buffalo Bills. And uh, in 1990, the, the 1990 season, Scott Norwood, obviously in the Super Bowl, had missed the, the field goal for the Bills that gifted the, the Giants the win. The New York Giants won against Buffalo Bills 2019 in Super Bowl 25. Uh, it's one of, one of the best Super Bowls Ever. It really is. The, it's it's just a, an absolute master masterpiece, that game. But the following season, the, the Broncos were playing the Bills in the championship game in Buffalo. And the Bills had shut down the the Sorry, the Broncos had shut down the Bills' offense. Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and Andre Reid and James Loft and all these superstars were just completely shut down. Wade Phillips called up a, a defensive masterclass. And the Bills had um, three points on offense in that game. They did score a defensive touchdown, so they ended up with with 10 points. And they actually won the game 10-7. But what I remember is the Broncos kicker, David Treadwell, hit the upright three times on consecutive field goal attempts. And, And you're thinking, that can't happen. I mean, could you do that if you tried? Justin Tucker probably could, you know, if he tried. Mm. You know, if he was aiming for them, he could. But yeah, he hit the, he hit the upright three times on consecutive field goals. So instead of being a 9 nothing game, it was nothing-nothing. Uh, and then the Bills scored a defensive touchdown 
and I can't remember who it was. Someone, Bailey, I think, scored a, a linebacker, uh, batted mm-hmm. a pass and, and took it for a touchdown. And then um, Scott Norwood kicked the 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 go ahead the ten nothing uh ten nothing field goal and then John Elway had to leave the game he had a thigh bruise and Gary Kubiak came in who was Elway's lifelong backup ten years or whatever it was he was the backup uh, in Denver and he actually drove them down the field they scored a touchdown in fact Kubiak I think rushed for a touchdown in that game three Might yards I think what's that Three yards. Oh, you did right there. You are you yeah, are you you're checking it? Yeah, and, I'm already. I've got it up. And then what happened was they got the onside kick. The onside kick was covered by Steve Atwater. Oh, helicopter just going overhead. Oh, there you go. Um, Steve Atwater, the safety, Hall of Fame safety, recovered the onside kick, and then Kubiak was getting them into field goal range. He tied up in the dying seconds, and he threw a pass to Steve Sewell, who uh, excellent receiving running back. Steve Sewell, big tall guy. Breaks a tackle and then he gets hit and he fumbles the ball and the Bills recovered and that was the end of, essentially the end of the game. A couple of a couple of kneel downs, game was over, and um, it was it was heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. And Steve Sewell's just sitting on on the field after it must have been for a full minute minute and a half, just sat there shaking his head. Um, but David Treadwell hit the upright three times. You're like, how can you do that? Do you know? And it was the same one. It wasn't like right, left, and right. It was like right, right, right. Just just turn a bit. Just turn, go a bit left. And it might go in. Do you know what? I'm sitting here um, abusing kickers. Um, but if you've ever watched the YouTube channel, I want to say it's Average Joe, where this guy says, let's see how difficult it is. You know, because we sit here and we... I think it was kicking field goals. And I think yeah. it was Justin Tucker. And he said, how difficult is it to kick a 40-yard field goal? And Justin Tucker says, it's extremely difficult to kick a 40-yard field goal. He says, it only looks easy because NFL kickers have been doing this since they were kids. Or, or you know, teenagers. Every day. All day. And I think he actually takes them and shows them how to you know, how kickers kick field goals, how they prepare and all that kind of stuff. And it was a really, really interesting video. I think it was called Average Joe I'm not, or Medium Joe, I'm not sure. Yeah, um, I think it's, a, a, yeah, Average Joe. It's, it's uh, Average think, Joe, think, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's a channel called Average Joe, yeah. And uh, and Justin Tucker's there and he's going, That's it's really difficult. It's like, it's like you have no idea how difficult it is. It just, it looks easy because they make it look easy. It's like snooker. Right, you watching it? You ever watch a game of snooker, guys? Mm. Yeah. Yep. And you watch guys getting breaks of 50, 60, 70, quite often a hundred and over. You have any idea how difficult that is? You ever tried? You ever played snooker on yes. a full size snooker table? Yes, very I think, difficult. I think, and yeah, I think it's my ang- all time anger interesting. Yeah, it's very anger interesting. <laughs> my <laughs> it is. I think my highest break ever is like twelve. It's like the highest I've ever scored in a game of snooker on one break. It's just, it's it's insanely difficult. And yet, you watch guys, I mean, that was Ronnie O'Sullivan. He won the World Championships again uh, just this week, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He won his sixth or seventh, you know, you think it, and he makes it look so easy. So anyone watching telly goes, I could do that. No, you couldn't. <laughs> no, you couldn't. You know, I, I, watch, I watch quarterbacks playing in the NFL, uh, I, I watch um, Case Keenum back in whatever year it was, 2017, overthrowing a wide open Demetrius Thomas to lose the game. 
against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm going, I could have made that pass. Of course I couldn't. It was like 40, <laughs> it was like 40 yards down the field. I can't throw a ball 40 yards. I know this for a fact. I can't do it. I've tried. I'm hopeless. I would be lucky. And I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. I would be lucky if I could throw a ball 25 yards and have it land within five yards of my target. I'd don't be think lucky. I, could throw a, I don't think I could throw a snooker ball 40 yards, never <laughs> mind an American football with a spiral on it and, you know, to pinpoint accuracy. So you've got to give it up for these guys. But oh, yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I, we, I mean, that game. Yeah. I was just going to say that game as well. Uh, a a lo- little bit of a random fact as well is that it was Kubiak's last game before he retired. I did not know that. I th- that that is it, he was he was he was playing in his last NFL game before retiring. He started out the Broncos uh, drive with an eleven yard scramble, and then ended up with a completion to I think was it Johnson, Vance Johnson, uh, yeah, Vance Johnson, yes. But um, yeah, all the momentum was with the Broncos right up until that play. They did get the possession back, but it was only mm-hmm. uh, with about like twenty seconds left, so they didn't really have a choice, uh, a chance. Sorry. Um, That's right, because he, he they got the onside kick and then he threw the pass to Sewell, and I think Sewell mm-hmm. was like a yard away from being in field goal range, and then he fumbled. Yeah, but of course it wouldn't have mattered if he was in field goal range because David Treadwell couldn't hit anything other than the uprights. That day. It's <laughs> <laughs> so one true. of those days. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, that's me harking back. J- Jake, what's your... Do you have any of these sort of memories? You know, going back to, like, games with the Saints. Not, not, I mean, obviously, we remember, you know, the Super Bowl win and stuff like that. But there, is there, like, a certain game or series of plays that sort of sticks in your mind from your days watching the Saints? Anything in particular? Not that I... I especially for a long period of time as a Saints fan, have a, a short memory, thankfully. Uh, and just kind of, especially when it comes to losses, uh, mo- most of my memories when it comes to Saints are just brutal losses, which I'd much rather not have. Um, right, so, I, I, so I, not. Think, I think to save you too much pain, we can gloss over some of the, the playoff losses. That'll be a hot take maybe one day. I'll need to vent about the, the therapy that the Saints have caused me. Uh, yeah, I can understand that. Uh, Dave, what about you with, with your Rams? Is there any games, like just like a random mid-season game that's sort of stuck in your mind for any reason? Um, I mean, if we got uh, up, up, well, up until recently, I think, um, I, I mean, m- maybe this is what it's come from, what my, my kind of um, uh, own close shaves and random stats have come from. There was, I was, talking to you and a couple of weeks ago about the game we played against the lions last year where you're up you know obviously the rams were quite were pretty much flying high they got off to a really good start and they've got high expectations but then when a, a team like the lions who have not won all season come i think they came with about an 0-6 0-7 record they came mm-hmm. and then they started doing all these freak trick plays to really screw with the Rams, and they nearly got away with it. <laughs> the Royal and I, I'm now I know straight away. I've already had had it out with you in the in the week run up towards the game. I we we already know we we've, we've been oh well you you your team's this and your team's that. I know I cannot go to work on Monday if the Rams lose to the Lions. There is no way I will eat. If I, if I cannot take a day's holiday, I am resigning. There is not worth what is going to happen from, from that lambasting from Ewan McPhail. So yeah, there's, 
for the Rams anyway, it's a lot of nearly moments. You know, for example, close shaves. You know, uh, there was. I, I hate to bring it up with Jake. Well, well, sort of. I sort of do. When the the Rams and the Saints uh, might have met in a playoff game, oh, and I I feared oh, this the is, worst. Don't don't. don't I, feel, I, uh, I don't no, think no, we I, should I, bring this uh, one up. Cheats, cheats, cheats. I, I don't think we should bring this one up, David. That that's a sore one. Even as, even as a neutral, I'm watching that going. Right, come on. What the and then heck? Al has to come out and apologize about it, and then yeah. change the I rules. Mean, yeah, they changed the rules. But I, in fairness, though, I, I at the time I did say to Jake, "Yeah, I agree with you. That was just shocking. How how that even is a thing is ridiculous." But I made sure that Jake felt my apologies <laughs> by getting it printed on a cup for him as well, and you know, <laughs> gifting it to him at Christmas time. <laughs> so just that very moment of secret, Nicole, for a secret son. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, oh yeah, yeah. That was, I think, yeah. I might have given away that I was your secret Santa at that point. Oh, but, um, the, the 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 malevolence to do that to uh, someone—that's awful. That's I absolutely. Think you're a terrible. So man. many levels. I, I, you know, it was one of the funniest moments I, at the time. I was in shock. I because obviously with Drew Brees, you know, he's bounding down the field. All these plays were working against us, and then. I was in utter shock that this had happened. But yeah, the, these these are the kind of things that the memories do stay with you. But the losses, I think I tend to wipe from my memory quite quickly. No <laughs> idea why. They, I don't, I, there hasn't been many losses for the Rams, I'm pretty sure, uh, probably since Jeff I, Fisher. <laughs> where are you getting this? <laughs> what are you talking about? Let, but, me, let me tell you something, one of my, one of my favourite memories of the Rams. I'll tell you this. And it's it's a single play. I used to really enjoy... Well, I, technically, I still do. I really enjoy watching the Rams play. I have done for years because mm. of uh, the amount that I despise Pete Carroll. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I hate... I, I cannot stand Pete Carroll. can't stand seeing him on the sidelines. I, I hate the Seahawks. I hate everything about them. Um, it's going to take at least a quarter for me to forgive Russell Wilson. We're playing for the Seahawks. At least a quarter. Maybe more. Now. What? A quarter of a year or a quarter of a game? No, a quarter of a game. 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how he plays, you know. Anyway, I remember a game where the Rams were playing the Seahawks. Now, I don't remember the score. I just, I, I, I just believe that the Rams won. But it was at the time when the Seahawks were at their most obnoxious. You know when they had Marshawn Lynch and mm -hmm. they had uh, Richard Sherman. Uh, and they were just, they were an obnoxious team. I despised everything about them. And there was a play where uh, whoever the Seahawks punter was, punts the ball away. And Tavon Austin, I think it was Tavon Austin, goes back to return the punt. And I thought something had happened to him because he falls down. And I was like, what happened? But he faked out the entire Seahawks team because they all went to his side of the field and the ball had gone to the other side. And the only person who saw it was the punter. And the other Rams player takes the ball and takes it all the way for a touchdown. And I was howling with laughter. I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen when the entire Seahawks team had been faked out by the, the punt returner. For the Rams, and he just sort of fell backwards as because he didn't call for a fair catch. 
So they were all running at him at full speed. And just before they hit him, he just sort of falls over. And even the commentator's going, what's happened? And the, the ball's on the other side of the field and he's taking off for a touchdown. I don't know what year it was. I don't know what game it was. I just know it was in Seattle and Pete Carroll's stupid face on the sidelines, chewing his gum at 100 miles an hour. It was hilarious. Loved it. Uh, I'll need to see if I can find a clip of that game now. I need to rewatch that one. That was absolutely amazing. I loved it. So much fun. Uh, Jake, did you ever look up that uh, touchdown I told you with John Forcade for the New Orleans Saints back in the day? The one with the um, Forcade's folly, with, with all the fumbles, and then Forcade takes it in for about 50 yards for a touchdown himself. You should check that one out. Yeah. Really good one, that one. John Forcade, quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Back in the day, they didn't have a lot going for them back then. Early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. It was a... Uh, not, not a lot of wins uh, in that team. But, uh, yeah, I, I I love these. Every now and again, a random play will pop into my head from, like, 15 years ago. A play from a game that didn't involve either of my teams. Uh, I'm sorry, that didn't involve my team or who they were playing against. And um, I just, I think it's great. I love the NFL. I love what we do here in this podcast. This is the best thing, sitting, talking, utter nonsense about the NFL for two hours every week. It's It's wonderful. Thank you so much, guys, for this. No worries at all. I think, um, yeah, it was a game. I, I, I vaguely remember the Rams did a fake field goal against the Seahawks. Was it Was it that game where Danny Amendola just stood on the side and uh, it was a fake field goal? I think it was when um, Johnny Hecker was a rookie and he came, he, he threw it to Amendola, who, who nobody saw him on the side. And the Rams faked a field goal, threw it to Amendola, who was just stood there. It was like it was they were taking it. It was like a kind of twenty-yard field goal, and Johnny Hecker threw to Danny Amendola for her touchdown, because the the Rams had just one player less in in their front line uh, for defending the field goal, and nobody saw him. So Amendola just snuck on the pitch, stood there at the side, did not move, and then when it <coughs> snapped through straight to Amendola straight away it was just incredible one of the most remarkable funny plays against the Seahawks which I think you'll find Pete Carroll was not impressed with either that's just hilarious I love it couldn't <laughs> happen to a better coach uh, do you know the, the thing is I don't really have a reason for despising the Seahawks so much I, I, Pete I, Carroll for me it's well, it's I think me, that's what it's because you know, when uh, do you know what it was, actually? Uh, it was Tavon Austin who scored the touchdown. I just checked it out. It was back in 2015, September 13th. Uh, right, so it, it is Pete Carroll. See, someone said, oh, it's because they beat you in the Super Bowl. No, 49ers beat us in the Super Bowl. Seahawks didn't beat the Broncos in the Super Bowl. The Broncos beat themselves. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it, Broncos, it made so, true. Broncos made so many mistakes in that game. They would have lost to anyone. They would have lost to last year's Jaguars, Urban Myers Jags. They would have done. They, they didn't get beaten by the Seahawks. They embarrassed themselves. That's what that's what happened in that, that Super Bowl. But I don't know, it's just Pete Carroll. Oh. If there's any Seahawks fans listening, then uh, change teams. You know? <laughs> Reevaluate re your life. Just, that is just what, that, stop, that's a message from this podcast. Stop supporting the Seahawks. They're a, they're a horrible team. 
horrible team to support. Anyway, right, uh, that is basically the end of our show. I've just been rambling for far too long about my dislike for Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. Um, that is the end of the show this week. Uh, next week, of course, we're going to have all the best segments. We're going to have the roundup, the news. We'll have Jake's hot takes. We'll have Dave's, Dave's close shaves. I love these these rhymes, by the way. They're fantastic. You and McPhail's so draft day fails we will have random stats and i think next week gentlemen we should start looking at each team each division i should say going through we'll maybe start next week going through the divisions one by one we're hopefully going to be getting some guests on soon um obviously if any of you guys want to be a guest on the show just drop us a line on twitter at the WinFL show you can be able to do that or there's uh, also you can get in touch with any of us all three of us are on twitter and we really appreciate everyone listening to us listeners are going up subscribers are going up and um, this is just uh, the best feeling ever the, the, we'll know the schedule by next week as well so that will be something to go over as well oh of course yes we do have the schedule that'd be great yeah. uh, so looking forward to week one already but um, yeah big big shout out to you guys fantastic job we do uh, and it's so much fun so uh, can't wait for the our podcast is already growing week on week isn't it so it is yes it makes more, even more worth it so um, yeah let's keep going Okay, gentlemen, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will catch you next week on the WinFL Show.